Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Iron and Soul podcast. Um, my guest today is another returning guest, um, Trevor Rivers, Dr. Rivers. Can I call you doctor? Doctor? You can, doctor. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Do you, do you ever get called doctor? When I teach my introductory classes, mm-hmm. it's preferred that we're separated from the students um, for the incoming freshmen or whatever for emails and and things. It's not a first name basis thing, but by the time they're done, you know, seniors, I'm like, yo, it's Trevor, whatever. Trevor, okay. Pro- what about professor? Professor's fine. Yeah. Okay. That's, it's about 50, 50 between those two. Okay. So yeah, it, it's an honorific that makes sense, I guess, in the academic setting. I think it's funny when I hear it outside of the academic setting. The question Jill and I've wondered if you're all but dissertation, can you still be called doctor? No. No. Okay. No, because uh, ABDs are haven't got the sign off for the committee that they have, you know, fulfilled the roles and responsibilities of the okay. of the program. So, but they and they can't put PhD behind the name. PhD candidate. Yes. Candidate, so not. that's what you tend to see with with that with those grad students that have passed the candidacy exam, oftentimes they write as a PhD candidate ah. on that. I'm spitting out my gum, so, ah, yeah, okay. All right, so it's been, I think it was May when we did our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. How yeah. are you feel? any feeling different from May till now? Um... In the no. Okay. Yes. No. Um, I find certainly my anxiety, I think, with regard to trying to avoid COVID is higher now. Interesting. And okay. it probably has to do with there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it would just be really irritating to get COVID when there's an end in sight. You know, so kind of double down on protection in okay. my mind, I think. Okay. So. Do, do you think that COVID is going to be like the flu that everybody's going to get it at some point? So you're going to get it even if you get vaccinated at some point? Or do you think the vaccination is going to be like, you're good, never going to get it? Well, it depends on how fast it evolves, right? So, mm-hmm. so the battle right now is if they can get the vaccines and enough people, right? You knock down the population of the virus which means that the odds of it super evolving i think is lower okay right so now you got the variant of the south african strain that has been identified in south carolina now Um, that one's the one that's a bit scary because the spike protein is different than the other ones which what do you mean by spike protein so that's the way the mrna vaccines work. And by the way, I'm not an immunologist. Uh, I'm a behavioral ecologist, but, um, what it does is you give a protein to the immune system that it can identify and then start creating protection from. And they're the binding sites for those that seems like the UK and a lot of the other variants are very similar so that those vaccines that are already in production will probably work. The concern with the South African variant and those other ones is that the efficacy of the um, spike protein being recognized 
with those other var- vaccines is lower. Okay. So how difficult it is, is it to manipulate the vaccine to fight the I don't think it's variant? that I don't think it's that difficult, right? So right. that's where they're going to play catch up. I think Moderna is already talking about doing a booster shot right for that. And that's the whole name of the game with immunology and and vaccines is is staying ahead of it. That's why you do a crapshoot for your flu vaccine every year. They try to figure out how many strains are out there mm-hmm. and and what the odds of that particular strain. So is in be. your in your opinion, eventually, do you think COVID will be similar to just? Ju- I don't mean just the flu as in just the flu, like it's not a big deal, but that it'll be like okay, we've got this immunity in the in the world with it on some level. Some people get hit by it harder. Some people get the shot for vaccination and it kind of levels out. Um, so like would I compare it more to like the seasonal flu versus like the measles, for example, right. Um, it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? I think that it's just, it's so funky that, you know, it's, it does, primarily attack, you know, immunocompromised people and the older people whose immune systems aren't as good. But, you know, there are these cases where just randomly healthy people get hit. And I think that the odds of that are higher for... And when you say ran- randomly healthy people get hit and get really sick or and die. or die, right? Yeah. yeah okay. You know? Um, but couldn't that be something that they already, already exists in their genetics and DNA kind of deeper than what we, what we would consider the comorbidity? comorbidities now sure right i mean the more information that you get the better off you're going to be mm-hmm. i mean the treatment i think the treatment's going to continue to go forward too right so they're finding that it seems like a lot of the problems are not when the virus is in the lungs but when it goes into the brain mm-hmm. you know okay. and they've shown that in mice that there's a, a latent you know that it's still being expressed in the brain and that's where a lot of the issues are um but treatments are coming around, right? The most exciting one that I read about, and this is because I'm a marine biologist, is so there's a, uh, you've heard of the remdesivir Mm-mm. one. So it's one that was already created for some other purpose. I can't remember what, but so that that was a potential treatment that may work, but maybe not as, as well as they had hoped. But they did this experiment, or not an experiment really, but they went about searching for drug candidates in a really awesome way where they, instead of just doing like the shotgun approach where you're just putting a whole bunch of, you know, chemicals into C or, or, or proteins in to see what response was, is they actually looked at the virus and they looked at the proteins that the virus requires. And then they went in and tried to do a search for any sort of known drug that would help prevent those proteins from being uh, created. Interesting. You know, so they're actually doing the scientific approach for saying, okay, there's a, this certain protein. Are there any drug candidates that do that? And it turns out that there is one that's a anti-cancer drug right now that is derived from a tunicate or a, a uracordate, which is a sea squirt essentially mm-hmm. from, I think the Mediterranean and so a lot of those cancer fighting and other compounds are found in the marine systems because they're used for defensive purposes. And 
So it's really cool to think that maybe a sea squirt chemical could be, you know, super effective in fighting off the, the symptoms of COVID. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Why do you think, I had this thought come up into my mind. We talk, whenever we get a chance to talk, we kind of get on this, go down our little wormholes a little bit. Why do you think you're more worried about it than I am? Um, my grandmother died of it, okay. I think. So I think there's, that's a part of it. Um, as a biologist, like I kind of read into how it affects things and how it could attack and how it, you know, it's just a crapshoot of things. So maybe the ignorance is bliss. I mean, I'm not saying you're ignorant, but you know, looking into the science of it is a little concerning. Uh, the other thing I think is a sense of social responsibility. Um, you know, as a jujitsu gym owner, mm -hmm. right. I don't want to be patient zero and potentially give it to somebody who then gives it to somebody that has a, mm -hmm. a negative impact. Mm -hmm. So not saying that that's not everybody. Um, right. but, when I'm talking about going online for classes, you know, at the university where instead of 600 students face to face, right, we're online. The conversation about trying to get back to on in person as, as quickly and safely as possible. I get that. Right. But you know, that's a population of students that are pretty, well, maybe lackadaisical in their loose. protection. Yeah. A little loose. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm, I definitely overreact, you know, okay. I, I can, the odds of me getting it and having a, a severely negative reaction are super small, but they're there, mm -hmm. right? There's other couple other BJJ black belts have died recently, you know, from it. So it's a, that we're in their forties. So it's a kind of a reminder that, you know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it has to do with the anecdotal. My grandmother had it. Yeah. I, I think about, you, you said the word that I used, like worried, right? And then you went you went down the, the hole of like, well, I'm the biologist and I know how all this stuff. And I think about kind of the opposite. Like I deal with worry every day and people that worry and challenging that worry and and thinking about life on a behavior and thought process where it's like, of course I'm safe, right? Of course I behave properly, mm -hmm. whatever that, you know, try to responsibly, be responsibly. It's a good word. Um, and I don't, I try not to worry about it. Right. Like I, cause I want to live somewhat of a, a life, you know, three kids. I love jujitsu, you know, things like that. So it's an interesting balance, right. Of your thought process versus my thought process versus your worry versus what I might worry about with this. Oh yeah. I have an insane amount of cognitive dissonance too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know if everybody just locked themselves away for two and a half weeks or whatever, and just stayed out of it, that this would probably be okay, you know, but nobody's going to do that. Right. Uh, as an academic, I'm like, yeah, that's what we should do. Nobody should even talk to each other right now just based on biology as a business owner you know and purveyor of 
I would say, physical therapy in some ways, mm-hmm. right? Mental uh, therapy um, for some of some of the people. Yeah, no, it's yourself, it, yeah? it's my therapy, right? It's my therapy too on some level. Yep. Um, I get that not having it could be extraordinarily mm-hmm. damaging, right? So, Jess and I, my wife and I, we recognize that it's a difficult pathway to to tread mm-hmm. and so i think in some ways i am even more cautious outside of the gym because i'm like if i'm gonna get it right i don't want to get it outside anywhere so like i'm super like annoyingly cautious about going anywhere or mm-hmm. going to the caribbean or something right now or you know right. traveling it's like eh, yeah yeah do you um what about like just going out and around town like and like eating at a restaurant do you choose to do that or not no we do it on occasion okay. yeah yeah i mean i th- i think lawrence is really good with yeah the protocol like you go outside you go to ottawa or something like that uh they're a little more lax with their mask wearing and and protocols yeah. so so that's a bonus with the lawrence you know merchants i love going there and mm-hmm. you know they, that's the, they're they're even a little stricter at mm-hmm. merchants than other places in town, which is interesting. Right. Which is where I like, that's probably why I like it. Yeah. You know, in some ways. I just get it. I just get annoyed. Like, cause if you have your back towards where they're coming from, you all of a sudden they're showing up and you're like trying to find your mask to put yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was actually me yesterday. So. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, you're here. And I <laughs> just pull up, up, pull up the shirt over your face. Yeah. Yeah. Then I just stopped worrying about it. Like if you're going to show up in my back term, what am I? I can't I have eyes in the back yeah. of my head. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that the, Making the mask a political statement was a bad move. Bad idea. Bad yeah. idea. And bad for Fauci to say, we don't need him. Now we do. You know, like, could yeah. have just done that better. Yeah. I've, I was actually listening to the New York Times. There's the, what is it? The Daily podcast mm-hmm. on there. They're talking about Fauci is tell him about his experiences in the in the White House. And it's pretty interesting about the way he had to navigate scientific versus anecdotal evidence and mm-hmm. and approach to the to the pandemic. So it was it was interesting. I don't know much about Fauci, but I do know that he was in the midst of all the HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been too. pretty much in yeah. almost every pandemic for the last like four presidents. Yeah. So he knows his stuff. Uh, I think he had to be very, very careful with what he said and how he said it. Um, but he didn't really compromise. Like He did disagree with the administration on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, it got him in a little hot water, but he was sticking to his scientific principles, which I appreciate um, in a difficult setting. Yeah. What, but what do you think about the fact that he lied? Is it a lie at the beginning, though? I mean, so the way science works, well, it was, right? Because it came out that that he knew that we needed to wear masks, but he said, "Don't," just so we wouldn't all go out and buy them, so the medical people could have them. Okay, I don't know that. Yeah, that's um, what happened. Okay, um, I will take you at your word for that. Um, that, of course, that's concerning, right? If they're trying to get the PPE into the hands of the medical folks before the common 
the you know the Vox Populi or whatever we're getting it. Um, and, and I understand probably why he did that. Toilet paper, right? Just because we he tells people don't buy the mask. We need them for medical right. people. Stay inside. They're gonna go out and do and buy all the masks, and then the then people. The, the medical professionals don't have them. Right. Or the people that bought the hand sanitizer from the dollar stores and then were selling them for $20 a bottle. And yep. yeah, um, I'll go back and look at it. Right. I mean, I try to be as fact driven as possible before I form or give a, a solid opinion mm-hmm. on that. Right. So I would have to go back and do the homework and yeah, I could see the justification I suppose for medical reasons to try to downplay it while they stockpile, but that, yeah, that's kind of shady. Yeah. Right. Whether or not he was doing that on his own or he was directed to do that. Um, Oh, I would, my assumption would be that there was some push for him to do that because of how quickly it escalated escalated. in March. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, but it's such a new virus too, that, I mean, well, shit. A lot now of we, now we're not even innovating people, like or putting the putting them on respirators because we, with some, probably are, but like it was killing people to do that, right? Or the odds of it actually helping were yeah astronomically low. Yeah, but I, I mean, the way science works is, do I you use the information that you have available at that time? And then if you go and you find out that you were wrong, you adjust, right? That's the scientific method, right? That's the scientific process. And I hate when social media or media or whatever goes and says, well, they said this at the very beginning and it was totally wrong. That's fucking how science works. Exactly. You know? And so if you adjust and modify to it, yeah, great. If you stick with your guns because that was your first statement, right? Then you're not. But I think it, but I think you're on to something there on some level, like where, where, where it evolves, but the politics have to evolve with it too. Right. Like you have to be able to say, Oh, we're wrong or, Oh, this worked or, Oh, right. As the virus mutates and evolves, we have to like, yeah, not draw the line in the sand either. Like, Oh, well, you know, we know that it's changed and it's a little bit different than we thought at the beginning. Right. Right. People are still dying, but it's, Less and less, even though people are getting sicker and sicker quicker, it's it's changing right. the way things are happening. Right, and you have to respond to that change. Mm, exactly. Right, but having somebody be angry that it's not what somebody said it was four months ago, right. if you go back and you look and be like, well, that's the only information that they had at the time, then... We think that's the only hindsight. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right, right. Which the year twenty twenty in hindsight is is interesting. Yeah, yeah. But do you think we're? Um, you know, we first chatted in May. Here we are, into January, in the new year. Do you see the light? Does oh, it, absolutely. Yeah. You know, is it twenty twenty two? For all of the, yeah, I would say this year is going to be a getting back to normal, right? Hopefully by the summer, most people that want the vaccines, um, although everybody should fucking take the vaccine. Um, That's an interesting should get discussion it. too, right? Um, yeah. 
It is. And, you know, people are talking about rights, you know, civil, um, personal rights of taking a vaccine or not taking a vaccine. And I think that the way to, to look at it would be like the way they do the measles vaccine, right? You don't have to take it, but don't come to public school if that's the case. But you can go to public school. You just have to, ch- did they just waiver that shit? Yeah, now? they need to really choke down on that waiver stuff to make it actually medically. Yeah, I mean, there's religious exemption stuff for these other ones, I don't think are, in my opinion, uh, that doesn't really help anything. Okay, so here's a question for you. Thinking about, like, I was just thinking about religious versus medical versus percentages, okay? So. I'm just going to throw this out to you and we can just kind of talk. Okay. Okay. The chances of me dying from COVID Mm -hmm. are 99.9 something, right? Just because of age, health. The chances of you dying from it or like in the almost certain? Mm -hmm. Okay. Something in. Sure. Okay. The effectiveness of the vaccine last is like 94. Which is amazing. Yeah. But that still math doesn't match, right? No, I don't. I think that's a false equivalency. Why is that? Because if you only have a 5% chance of getting the vaccine or of getting COVID after the vaccine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You've just reduced the probability of you dying from it astronomically, even if you do get it after the vaccine. But you also have to realize that that vaccine efficacy that they're talking about, it's not just preventing COVID. It's also reducing the symptoms of COVID so that there's a much lower, almost, I mean, it's near a hundred percent of avoiding hospitalization. Okay. So so let's explain this to the, to the two listeners now, my mom and um, Connor. Um, So if I get the vaccine, Mm -hmm the chances of me having the symptoms go right. Even if you get COVID, even if the chances COVID, of having a serious case of COVID is very, very significantly reduced. Okay. Yeah. Cause what is it? You're, 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 what you're doing with the vaccine is you're building up stores of immunity so that if it does hit mm-hmm. you, you're ready to fight back. Right. And so if it's, even if you have a, a high viral load, Right. It's that time between your antibodies and whatever ramping up to fight it. Right. Right. So if you've already got them, you would see that. Yeah. It would, it probably... would fight it quicker yeah. than if, than having to make them to fight it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm, I'm, we're going to get it for sure. I just, I think it's, I'm a, I like numbers and I like to play the percentages and see like. Yeah. I, yeah. If you're just doing like the straight up survival rate versus efficacy rate like that's I think you've got to look at it of if you've reduced your possibility of even getting it for 95% that's that's fucking amazing right I mean an effective vaccine for the flu is like 60% so what was polio you know was that 100% it was pretty darn high yeah, yeah. I mean they wiped that out which was amazing yeah same with what not chickenpox, smallpox. Small yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Do you know where the term vaccine comes from? I don't. So vodka, cows. Uh-huh. And it was a, I think it must have been in the, I mean, this is a, a long ass time ago, but essentially there was, it, was it smallpox? It might've been smallpox. Um, have to go back and do some, some homework, but essentially they were finding out that the milkmaids were not getting the big symptoms from it. And it was, so that's why it's a vaccine, right? Cause they were getting the antibodies and whatever from that. So that's, that's the, cool. the whole basis for, for the whole term of it. And that's, you know, a couple hundred years at least ago. So, so if you think about where we are today, the vaccine, COVID, the trajectory of, you can kind of see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think four five, six billion years ago or whenever the universe was created that this was going to happen? Oh, okay. So now we're going to determinism and, and whatnot. Here we go. Um, no, it's, it, there's a massive amount of randomness to this, right? Um, you have odds, probability, right? Science is probability, right? The odds of getting COVID, right? That 99%, that's a probability of it. Uh, atoms colliding in a particular way uh, is a probability. Molecules colliding uh, in the presence of enough nitrogen, water, and lightning to create amino acids that could then be polymerized, you know, instead of a monomer to a polymer to get to self-replication. That was a probability, you know. Was it going to happen 100%? No, but the odds are pretty good. Were the odds of a global pandemic wiping through the world, especially now with the the way travel is, yeah, I, I would say that the odds of that were probably close to one, right? Or hundred percent right. with that. But you don't think when the first protein was created on the earth that that didn't set into motion where we are right now? Well, it set it into motion, but it was, I mean, it, but it was random. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> Interesting. You know, um, so do you believe in free will then? No. Okay. I don't. Um, are you a fatalist? In some ways. Interesting. Okay. Um, but I also believe that you have control of what you do, right? But that's different than free will. Right? Okay. So I read a little, little something about this yesterday. So so for, the, for, for our listeners, Trevor and I decided we're going to have a, a discussion on, on the podcast. So I did a little bit of research on my end a little bit just because just to dust off some stuff. I didn't because I was preparing for yeah. classes, but of course you were because you know you're a professor and it doctor, starts Monday doctor um, is that scientists have been able to track in the brain before someone reaches something the, the uh, electricity building up in the neurons that they're going to do that before the person even has the thought to do that. So to reach for something. Mm-hmm. Right? 
So that would not be, that would take the idea of free will on some level out of the equation. Off the table. Right. And maybe even choice, right? Because if it's, if it's, if the thought's not even happening and if we think thoughts fire action, right? But if the electricity's already building towards grabbing the coffee and you don't even have the thought to grab the coffee yet. Right. Then that changes the the thought process or the game a little bit on determinism versus right and and I have a PhD the doctor of philosophy but I'm not a phil- philosopher in okay. in that respect but let me set the stage for why I'm like adamantly against free will okay um, the course that I was a head TA for when I was in grad school at Cornell was evolution for non-majors and it's still probably one of the most impactful courses I was a part of because yeah teach evolution to biologists right that's that's well and good but teach evolution like what it actually is um, to people that are going to go out in the world and understand it that I think is more impactful and the professor uh, his name was Will actually uh, Provine who was a evolutionary historian. So he did a lot of stuff and he wrote a book on free will and how it doesn't exist. And he came from a long line of hellfire and brimstone Baptist ministers. And he just went to become a Darwinian, you know, priest, I guess you would say in some ways. And absolutely believe that when you're dead, you're going to rot in the ground and that's it. And, absolutely believed that there was no larger scale moral or ethical metaphysical reason why their things are, are moral or ethical and was the kindest man I almost knew at that point. He had a brain tumor that operated on a couple of times, died a few years back of it, um, knew he was going to die, was a hundred percent behind that you know, free will doesn't exist and that he was going to, so, you know, he is like far off on that side of things. So let's, let's define free will for people that don't necessarily know what free will is. It's yeah. a biblical discussion that God gave people the, the choice to choose the, the ability to choose whatever they want. Right. And so there is the, there is a very strong metaphysical like basis for this. You know, and we'll talk about altruism too, because that's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, Cause that also doesn't exist, but um, it gives somebody the ability to judge uh, somebody else based on their actions. Right. Right. Whereas, you know, if you sort of take that off the table and somebody does something that is morally reprehensible, Right. You don't want to be like, well, that's just in my nature. Right. The whole scorpion, the frog sort of deal. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, people can be really shitty and sort of have a lot of reasoning, you know, biological and experiential reasoning behind that behavior. Um, But still does not mean that, you know, at the very core of things that you have free will. I think that if you go back and like you're talking about the electrical impulses building, you know, because all we're doing right now is 
moving electrons around mm -hmm. and causing molecules to vibrate into this microphone mm -hmm. at this point, right? So um, if you knew everything that this complex creature, you know, called a human has gone through in their life and what their experiences are and what the neural connections are, do I think that you could predict with near 100% certainty what they're going to do? Yeah, I do, right? We are computers. We are biological computers. Computer programs are written so that you can predict what's going to happen. You could add a little bit of randomness in there, mm -hmm. right? So if A equals this, then you have a 0.6% probability that it's going to be this or a 0.4 probability that's going to be this. So again, back down to probability. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're just meat computers, in my opinion. So, and I think that's amazing, right? I think that it's, it's crazy that we have this ability to, to think and to be metacognitive and to think about thinking. And, um, you look out there in, in nature. So I've studied bioluminescence and behavior of these tiny crustaceans. I think we might've talked oh, yeah. about that a yep. little bit. Um, Love those little things that you showed me. Absolutely tiny, right? Mm -hmm. They're the size of a sesame seed. They have incredibly complex behaviors, but those behaviors are super predictable, mm -hmm. right? Because they only have so many neurons. And so it's like, if the light level is this and this is over here, then they're probably going to do this. And then you test it scientifically. And it's like nine out of 10 times, that's going to be the case. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if we were able to model the human brain perfectly, we'd be able to do the same thing. Can you, can we do specific ex, like th thought process experience not with humans, right? You walk out of the door, you get in your car and you run a red light and get in a wreck. Would you, could you argue that nine times out of 10, that same scenario would happen? If you saw the sun was in this particular time, if the certain radio was on, if they had a particular amount or lack of caffeine in your system if you were in a rush or not yeah then you could predict it but you have to have all those other variables mm -hmm. in play so effective free will exists in my opinion okay right? so what's effective free will it's not free will but it's you the can, ability to choose yeah you're you're making these choices right yeah do i want to go to merchants or do i want to go to ramen bowls today you know um so but all of the background computations going on at that point are probably going to be pretty s predictable in terms of what you're going to choose. So if you end up choosing merchants, right, right, there's probably things that happened that earlier that day that lend lent you towards making the choice of merchants. No, sure. Or, you know, maybe you had soup the day before and that's what ramen bowls is you know what i'm saying it's like but why isn't that determined because you're you're making that choice right but really the choice was made for you because you had the soup the day before you just don't know that the choice was made for you because it, it's sure. the day before right right I, I mean again i'm not a philosopher but i like shooting the shit about philosophy when i think of determinism i think i i have a very narrow view. I, I think it's more the theological determinism, I think is where I default to, you know, 
predestination, ah, that sort of stuff. Um, okay. That whatever you do has already been faded with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and why but is I feel that like bad. Uh, why don't you think that could be? Well, in some ways, I think that gives people, and, and there's a bunch of things you could say argue that this is the same thing without free will too. Is that might give somebody a license to do something that may be socially reprehensible or something like that. Oh, okay. it was already determined, right? I had no choice in the matter. Right. You know, which they already it's, do. It's not my fault. They already do that. Yeah, I know. So, right. You can take responsibility for your action, but I mean, this determinism stuff, like, isn't that sort of like going backwards too, though? If you're like, Oh, well the soup dictated what you had today. Well, you'd only know that if you go backwards in time, right? You're not going to be like, if you have soup, then like, could you a hundred percent predict that the next day you're going to have merchants? No. Cause it, cause you don't, cause it's, it's the, it's the same argument that I made about like the electrons, right? We just don't know yet what the, what we're going to do. Right. Cause even though it's determined, we don't know because the things that happen around us, right. Influence the, the fate of it. Right. So it can't all be calculated. We can't calculate all of the things that we're going to do because we don't know all of the variables that are already put into place. Yeah. And there's so much behind the scenes calculations right? before it even gets to our sort of, but I don't think of it as probability. I think it is variables that are, that I can't see. Well, there's variables. Like I say, I say, I want fucking pizza tonight. Right. And it's determined that I've wanted pizza for, in my mind for whatever reason, right? Sure. Jill comes at me this way. I don't know the variable. I don't know what she's been thinking about, right? And she wants sushi because it's been determined that she wants sushi, okay? So we come together and go, what are we going to have for dinner, right? I think it's already determined that we have sushi because in my thought process, I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me, Mm -hmm. right? This is the way it's going to go, but I don't know that variable, but it's already been determined. We have this sushi. Yeah, you may have to cut out that long pause of me staring off no, at the that's ceiling. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's just like any model that you build, okay. right? So in science and biology and especially behavior and these other things, what we're doing to try to explain the way the world works is you build models Mm -hmm. and models are typically described as a imperfect representation of the world. Right. Right. So if you could build a model that was perfect, then you could predict whatever you would do in the future. Mm -hmm. Right. And that includes all the variables external and intrinsic, Mm -hmm. you know, so I mean, in some ways, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, think about it this way, right? All right. Go back to the the idea of the Big Bang, right? Okay. That puts forth, like, even if you don't believe in determinism, right? That projects everything into motion that leads us to you and I sitting here today. Sure. 
And it's a crazy amalgamation of random events and serendipity and all these other things that have made Isn't two... serendipity fate? I'm being facetious with uh-huh. that. Right? Um, it's not, yeah, not fate, but it's just, I everything is random. Everything is random. Yes. You know, there, I mean, that's... So me flipping a coin and it landing on heads is random? Yeah. No, it's not. That's a mathematical equation. It's not rad. It's the, it's my ability to, how quickly I Okay, sure. That. If, then, if you could do the exact same thing with exactly the same pressure and the exact same air pressure and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, then you could probably make it less random with that. Sure. Right. Yeah. If you know all the variables again. Okay. But variables come from all different sure. ways that we don't see. So I could do it in this condition and hit it, and I could do it the same velocity this way again. But let's say a the breeze kicks breeze in kicks and it in. changes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Different variable. Sure. Right. And the breeze happened. And the breeze <laughs> happened because they randomly there was the different angle of sun rays that. But why went, is it random? Why isn't it? How just is it is? not random? It just is. Right. It just was already done when, like. I mean, I guess it my was de- always going to happen. My default, I guess, with that, it just is. It's like I default to that meaning that it's random, right? Rather than that it's determined, right? It is what it is. That that statement to me is just like whatever. Yeah, is and, what it is is like I can't explain it. <laughs> okay, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't even profess to know enough about quantum level weirdness that goes on. Right. Right. I, mean, I, I can't either. You, and you need to get Tommaso in here and to talk about if that. I could understand him. Well, yeah, <laughs> give him a little less caffeine, give him a little but, less caffeine, slow him down a little bit, but you know, things act on a, you know, on a sub molecular subatomic level in a, really weird funky ways right dark matter and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff right we don't understand a lot of these things right um then i think traditionally the things we don't understand we ascribe to some higher power Mm -hmm. often right which is why there's that whole god of the gaps argument right that oh i can't explain this it must be god well now i can explain this okay but we don't know this and it must be god okay and i'm not espousing that you know, religion is bad or good one way or the other on this. I have my own opinions, but um, explaining the unexplained is what we all try to do. Right. Right. It's just how we go about explaining it. Right. So, so how do you explain the unexplained? I say, I don't know. Don't know. You know, maybe it's this, maybe it's something we can test. Right? Maybe it's God. I mean, the odds of that are, in my opinion, are, I mean, maybe sure. Right. Science and biology and evolution is a I mean, the strength of, say, evolution. Right. Mm -hmm. When it came about, you know, when Darwin wrote it in 1859, is that it was one of the first purely naturalistic explanations for why we see the diversity on the planet that we Mm -hmm. do. Right. That it didn't need this intervention. Right. There's a kind of a douchebag 
like contemporary, it might have been a little bit earlier than Darwin, um, named Cuvier, uh, who was a French uh, fossil guy. And he championed sort of the catastrophism idea so that, you know, you see these wiping these out and then God put things back on, right? You know, and it was like, you know, things were the way they've always been, but sometimes you get tired of it and you wipe it out and put some new stuff in. Right. It's still cleaning the hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. Wiping it down and restarting. Right. But that required that sort of extra unexplained supernatural aspect of things. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think evolution Darwinian evolution uh, is so strong. Right. It's everything that they talk about is testable and things have been tweaked since then. Of course. Um, but at a low, 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 surprisingly low level, right? right. For the big it was, questions. It was, it was, it was, it, that thought or that theory holds its own with minimal change for yeah. what, 150 years? Is that, is that where we're at? Well, now? More than that now, 1859. So, so 161? Yeah. 62 years? Yeah. You know, so it's, the, the the power of it is he also did what any, in my opinion, self-respecting scientist should do is address potential problems with his theory. He's like, I don't understand why there are fossils in South America and Africa that look the same. Plate tectonics wasn't really up until like the 1930s, 1940s or later, mm-hmm. right? Um, he didn't understand how some of the inheritance worked. He didn't know genetics. He had uh, Gregor Mendel's unopened monograph in his library, but he never read it. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole confessed that the eye seems to be way too complex, right? You can look and, and see that there are these gradations that happen where it, it's totally describable without any sort of supernatural intervention again i'm not saying that there isn't right but that's not what science is right Right. and it's not something you can test you can't test for miracles you can't test for you know intervention i mean if you did you could throw out evolution right Mm -hmm. and you would get a nobel prize right at that point it's not gonna happen what's the it's not creationism but uh Divine intelligent design, intelligent design, which is just a the same thing that you were talking about. Like that, if you can't explain it, you just say this creator did it mm-hmm. to, to make the gap. Right. And so there's like, I don't know if it's a guy named Michael Behe, I think that wrote Darwin's black box um, where it's essentially you get in there and you can't explain what comes out. And there's mm-hmm. the explanation of, well, evolution is like, you could just go into a junkyard and then it, it spontaneously assembles a 747. No, that's not how it works. Right. And, and I think that's where the whole thing with evolution is, is like what most people think of evolution, like, Oh, we came from monkeys or whatever. And you know, that we're all, it's just not right. Right. Like the definition of evolution is essentially, the change in allelic frequency in a population over time. So the change in uh, hair color, right? Or a change in how much melanin is in your skin based on how much UV radiation is in 
the area in which you've living, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, small gradations in these populations, which then ultimately diverge, which may then lead to speciation, right? It's, it's simple. You can see it happening, right? You have evidence for that all over the place. Um, I don't believe in evolution. I understand it, right? It, it requires no belief because it is, ah, because it's just, it, it's it is. just, it's a, a fact. It's a, it's a you thing know? that does. Yeah. So you don't need to believe in it because it does it. Right. I understand it. I know how it works. If there are things that uh, need to be modified with it, within that, then I, I do not, I, I have a very hard time thinking that it would be overturned just based on the, the vast amounts of evidence that's for it. Correct. Right. So you, you said something really interesting that I, I don't know if I've thought about something that way. If I have, it's been a long time, this idea of belief versus it is, right? Like, not is what it is, but it is, right? It is fact, right? Well, right. And now we're in the world of alternative facts, right? You know, AKA, was that that said Kellyanne Conway said that? Mm-hmm. Um, no, the there, idea that I don't need to believe in evolution because it just is. Yeah. yeah that's it's going to be the same whether, whether you believe in it or not. You know? Right. This is going to happen. This genetic phylogenetic tree that you create from looking at, you know, morphological and genetic characteristics of a bunch of different species is going to come out to be the, the result is going to be the same, whether or not you believe it. So why do more people in the world have spiritual belief than not? It's comforting. I would, I, I would, if I could, you know, um, be nice to think that it's this is not the end okay. right but on the other hand uh it's also nice to know that once it's over it's over too right i mean there's this great abyss of you know we don't and one of the arguments is you know we're not terrified of what we were before we were born right so why would you need to be terrified of what we are when we die um for me it's selfish right i, I love my family mm-hmm. you know it'd be great to think that it's going to be that way all the way. But if you're dead, you're dead. You don't know. And that is in some ways that I guess back to the fatalism aspect of things. Right. It doesn't mean um, anything. But what you make of your world is, is everything. Right. Right. And so that's, that's the other thing. It's like, I, I feel you can lead an incredibly rich life without needing to think this is a stepping stone. It makes it almost even more special in some ways. Okay. So, what do you think about everybody's or people's near death experiences? You can do near death experiences using uh, deep magnetic resonance. Okay. You know, I mean, they've have helmets where people <laughs> have out of body experiences just based on changing the magnetic properties in your head. Um, I don't discount that it was true for that person, but right. that's anecdotal, right? I mean, People have taken psilocybin and have seen some crazy things too. And that is true. Were they physically in here? No, it was in your mind. Is it? Well, maybe. That's I mean, the. Que- I mean, that's the. That's the. The question. Sure. Is that it, it actually could be. It could be, and that would be freaking awesome. I just don't have any evidence for it yeah. to be the case. I mean, that's that's the thing is if you're evidence driven, right? Yeah. Um, 
So you, what about quantum physics and shit like that? So you, weird. I don't fucking understand it. Understand. Like, you know, parallel universes and the multiverses and, yeah. and how there's like infinite numbers of you and me sitting on a couch right mm-hmm. now talking about different things. You know, maybe I'm the one that's bald with the beard maybe. on that side. Yeah. Um, who knows? I would like to have lush <laughs> hair like you, man. I would I'd be psyched. Yeah. I got one thing going for me, I guess. You do. Just one. One. Yeah. One. Yeah, so where were we? Oh, the multiverse yeah, sort I mean, of stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, it would be amazing, right? So is it hard for you? Hard's not the right word. But, um, maybe it's hard. I don't know. Um, to be a biologist, a scientist, things like that, and then have other scientists studying and trying to figure out the multiverse, quantum physics, things like that that seem to be on some level different almost polar in the sense of you say evolution is fact, Mm -hmm. right? It is where multi multiverse for you would not be fact because you can't test it. Yeah. I mean, that's still a theory, right? right? I mean, okay. The layman's terms of just a theory is also problematic, right? A scientific theory is something that has been, backed up and confirmed and time and time and time and time again. And if it was proven incorrect, it would be gone. Right. Right. So only the things that are incredibly robust are a scientific theory, gravity, right? Evolution, germ theory, which is how organisms uh, evolve and and change. Um, But when you get down into the weird quirky stuff uh, where potentially the natural laws are being like bent, not yeah. Bent. Uh, I just get to the point where like, I don't fucking understand it. Um, This math is incredibly crazy. Um, It's exciting, but, but because you don't understand the math or the, the thing it's, it's, I'm not saying it in a bad, like, I'm not saying that you just because you don't understand, you don't get it. It's because your mind can't wrap around it yet. So it's too hard. It's too. Yeah. But even, even the people that do that, like say they can't really wrap their heads around it too. Like you wrap your head around the fourth dimension, you know, time be there. I want to see what happens. Right. Um, It's all theory. Yeah. Right. And it's incredibly fun to think about. Okay. Right. And I think it, probably in some ways for the next major advancement of humankind, it's probably going to be in that realm Mm -hmm. of things, but I don't understand it. So is, is, do you believe, do you, is the big bang, the thing that you, that is for you? I accept the big bang as happening. So then you, you accept that the universe is ever expanding. Yes. And, you know, there's people that are still arguing about that or not, you know, the talking about expanding so far into the heat death of the universe and then what's going to happen at that point. Um, Yeah, but the concept of 14.6 billion years, right? We, there's no way you or I can actually conceptualize that. Oh, no. You know, the imagining 65 million years is impossible for us to imagine. You know, well, and then there's the, how long have we, how long has the earth been? 4 billion? 
Yeah. So like even we're like, oh, well, the sun's going to burn out another four billion. Yeah. In another we're billion like, years. Yeah. We're like, uh, you can't conceptualize that like big fucking deal. Right. <laughs> I mean, human humanoids have been around for, I don't know, a million years at the most. You know, a couple hundred thousand. We're yeah. talking about homo yep. stuff. You know, and if we went back that amount of time, we wouldn't recognize anything. I mean, change is the one constant. If That's that right. makes sense. Right. Oh yeah. And I talk to my clients about that all the time. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all species on the planet are extinct. Yep. You know? And that that's weird, isn't it? It's crazy. Think? Yeah. And it's So does it bum you out when an when a species goes extinct extinct? It bums me out because we are driving the sixth mass extinction. You know, that we humans are directly responsible for many of these new extinctions out there, you know, um, overall conceptually, I mean, it happens. Um, when we go extinct, the earth is probably going to take a big sigh of relief and, Oh my God, it's going to take a deep breath. Yeah. So what do you think? I know that you're a marine biologist evolution. Is it evolutionary? How do you say it? Uh, behavioral ecologist, behavioral ecologist, mostly do. How do you think the humans are evolving right now? Like, what do you think that looks like? Um, I, I mean, there there's physiological evidence that it's happening all the time, mm -hmm. right? Um, skin color is one of them, right? You look at um, there is a extraordinarily strong correlation between UV radiation and and melanin production, mm -hmm. and so normally you see that at the equator right? Equatorial regions, just because that's how much sun, but then you go to places like Nepal, uh, where you're higher up in the atmosphere is thinner, mm -hmm. which means that you're going to have more UV radiation. You still see that, right? So you can see that it's, it's evolved so many different times over and over again mm -hmm. for this reason why there's lack of melanin at the poles is because you need to have vitamin D, right? And if you have the vitamin D deficiency, then you have physiological problems. So like there's this wonderful story about, you know, just, essentially pigmentation and, and evolution. There's another one. There's like a group of sea nomads called the Bajo or the Baju mm -hmm. uh, that can like no joke, hold their breath for like 12, 13 minutes underwater. Oh, shit. Yeah. And they're seafaring people, right? They're, they're That's on the water awesome. all the time and they're, they're closely related uh, land uh, population, they don't have these particular things that slow their metabolism down, right? Because metabolism requires oxygen. And so the reason why you run out of oxygen is because you're metabolizing. So if you can slow that down, you can stay underwater longer, right? There's all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, of other aspects of things, who knows? Could we be evolving, you know, different grips to work on our phones and stuff like that. I don't know if it increases your reproductive output, your fitness. Sure. I eat, are you sexier and going to have more kids? Right. Right. Um, do you think that's, is the constant is that, that the need, the DNA need to re reproduce. It's so that is evolution. Like if you, if you don't pass on the genes for that, it's not evolving. Okay. Nothing so I have, a, I have a, I have like this question. Okay. I have, what is it? And I don't know if it's, this gets into the whole random, whatever. When, 
a male and a female get together, mm-hmm. humans, and they produce all females. Mm-hmm. And then that person moves on, the one of their daughters moves on, and then they all have females. Uh-huh. Right? Do you ever like go down the wormhole of like, is that genetic line meant to not go on anymore because of the, because you know, like the idea that the guy creates the, the sex, right. Creates the X and Y. Right. And so then the, it's determined by the male and I'm not being like patriarchal. Yeah. But but I mean, it's the Y versus X chromosome. One of the X chromosomes is coming from the dude. Right. Right. So, like, is there an issue with the Y chromosome? Yeah, with, on some, in some lines. I don't know. I stay away from human pedigree stuff. Like but it's interesting, flag. right? Um, to think about, like, there are people yeah, but, out there. Yeah, but, but meant to, right? Like, that's where I get into the trouble, right? right. right. Is it the, determined? No, I mean, evolution never happens in order to do something in the future. It's always a response to what is now. Right. Okay. So, so you're something not... happens and it responds to that something in the now of what that is. And then even if it's so, so minute, right. Yeah. Cause it is. Okay. Sure. So beach mice, for example, mm-hmm. right. If you're there on the, uh, white sand beaches, right. The beach mice that are, have the lighter colored fur are going to be the ones that survive for camouflage. Then storm comes in or something changes where the sand gets darker. Right the beach mice that were around that had slightly darker fur now are going to be preferred and then they're going to change through the population or or grow through the population. Those ones that were darker during the white sand period were not preparing for the change in the future. There's no future preparation in evolution. It's always going to be in in response to what environment you're in at that point. Do you find it fast? I'm sure you find it fast that there are chimps using tools right now. Oh yeah. At the same time, we're like being able to cognitively understand that we're evolving and we've evolved on somewhat from that, right? Like yeah. that idea and that there's, they're still evolving. Sure. There's That's crows like, that are using tools. I know. It's you crazy. Know? Yeah. Everything is evolving. Nothing is static. But it's because we can think about it now because of 150, 161 years ago, right? Or whatever I said the number was that we can now... Un- correlate and see parallels yes that it's happening at the same time right and and having analogs in the natural world to try to explain where we came from is super important i think that the biggest mistake we as a species make is to think that we're different that we're outside of the realm of nature we're not we're just animals okay you know but different how well reason (laughs) we're we're still following the same laws of nature you know Explain. We're just we just are really good at making tools, right? Really good at making tools. We're good bioengineering. Uh, so do you think if hmm, okay, like this the whole it's not natural. Like whatever we do, kind of in my opinion, is natural. I'm, I I actually am know. on the same level that like because we do it makes it natural. Yeah, because humans created it or yeah. people. Yeah, it's natural. To say it's not natural is weird, right? Yeah. So Unless, like like GMOs, like genetic modification stuff where mm-hmm. people are like, oh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm like, we've been genetically modifying foods forever. Look at the fucking bananas, right? Mm-hmm. They can't <laughs> mate on themselves. They were like you this know? big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at dogs. Mm-hmm. 
I had a, I had a, um, God, I fucking wish I could remember the professor's name. He was a, a biology professor. I wanted to be an environmentalist and I took some, um, class and he said something about carbon and organic or organic like the mm-hmm. whole idea of organic he's like everything's organic yeah. it has carbon in it yeah <laughs> and he's like get over that thing use different words it's it's right political political politicized or right whatever. if you're pesticide free yeah right if you're if you're doing that but yeah, yeah. everything's organic. organic but it still is stuck that was in the 90s too and yep um, yeah I, i'm with that too right oh we don't want to eat this because there's chemicals in it. Everything that you eat is chemicals, mm-hmm. right? I yep. mean, that's we're yep. chemicals. I mean, just wash it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, even bananas, right? I don't know why I keep talking about bananas, but do you like bananas? Not really. Oh, really? Um, okay. Only if they're greener, if they're slightly tart. I don't like the real sweet parts, but. Um, so if like they have a green line on them, yeah. and it's harder to peel. Yeah, I like those too. Yeah, a little firmer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you look at, you know, they've got these long chain names of all the chemicals that are in it. That are in it. You look at apples, same thing, mm-hmm. right? It's just a list of chemicals. Right. That's what's in it, right? Apples are chemicals. You, if I took a bite out of your face, right, it'd be chemicals mm-hmm. at that point. So no basalts, though. So we're okay. No basalts. You don't like basalts? No. Oh, okay. No, you know. Eat your brain. My metabolism is too high to begin with, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, last time we met, you were getting ready, I think, or you had just gotten your third stripe for your black belt. Yeah, it was about, just about then, yeah. So nine yep. years as a black belt. Nine years as a black belt. Jiu-jitsu. So... I've been having these thoughts lately, right, about my age and, and I don't, I, I try not to sit too long with it, right? And that how old I'll be if I get my black belt someday, right? When you're at three stripes or at one stripe black belt, is there ha- a couple questions? Do you think about your evolution as a black belt? 20 years after you get your, so you've had it nine. So do you think about what it will, will it be like when I'm 50 or 60 to have a, a black belt and where will I be with my jujitsu? Mm. Are you adding to that? No, I'm just, just, up? Okay. Yeah, no, I'm just talking with my hands. No, I'm for better, for worse. I'm incredibly present focused. Okay. You know, so I've got things that I'm working on that I've never worked on before, right? Like in your jujitsu game, yeah, yeah, in life and okay. whatever. But in jujitsu, right? I'm like I've, I want to hone this. I I want to learn this, right? I want to do this. So as I go further and further, yeah, I'm not the same person as I was a year ago. You're never gonna be like if you stagnate, you die, and you're gonna be a dinosaur that people are gonna run over with all these new fangled guards and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So. You have to stay current. Um, that being said, I'm not massively changing how I view jujitsu or how I roll. I'm fine tuning it. Okay. Right. And as I get older, it's certainly efficiency is one of my main drivers for it. So mm-hmm. I'm really thinking about leverage and position and 
how to get somebody to go where I want them to instead of me putting them where I want them to. So it's, it's certainly more strategic at this point, but, um, so it's probably more intellectual in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why this works more. Like when you're first taught something, you're like, this works. I'm like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Well, why does it work? Well, it's the rotation of this and this is the um, center of balance moved off of this, right? So that's what I'm finding myself more and more going into is the concept of it all rather than the moves because the moves will eventually go away and you're just going to see something and make them fall over because you've recognized that that's the position where they're in rather than having to do a specific move from a particular place. Okay. At, at the level that you're at, how do you test yourself? Um, I mean, that's, that's a super personal like response to that, right? Like everybody's going to be different for that. Um, well, that's why I'm, I'm asking you. Back when I had time to be more selfish, it would be on the competition scene, right? Like if I go and I am up on the podium a lot, um, that would be affirmation that what I'm doing is right. Um, To be at that level, I personally feel like I have to, I focus more on myself than all my other students in jujitsu. And that's not really where I'm at right now at this point in time. Plus, health, you know, Mm -hmm. like rehabbing my back is, is super important too. So my sense of growth, I guess, is probably more reflected in how my students are than anything that, that I do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, hasn't quite happened on a, on the regular yet, but like when, when my students are eventually beating the crap out of me, right. Then I'm like, yeah, then I've done my job. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the world. You probably have a few, right? Like a couple, right? That test you okay? On occasion, you know. Um, and, you know, Matt and I were slow and brutal. But um, no, it's, you know, and people like Rich and Carl, um, Colton, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm challenged for sure, right? Um, yeah, I guess that's all I'm going to say okay. with that. Um, because it's personal. Is that all you have to say about that? No, just, just like, I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I, I do have a lot of experience and if I turn it up, I can turn it up. Right. So like when I roll with, even with most, like, it's very rare that I go balls out. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, just to try to establish the win. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to play the intellectual game at the same time. And, and that sparked a thought in my head too, is like what balls out five years ago is balls out than, than to today, right? Like the idea of what you would do balls out five years ago versus today right. could be completely different Yeah, because of just knowledge between that and, mm-hmm. and if you talk about efficiency, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm probably more efficient now, yeah. um, but I'm also probably a little slower. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe not. I mean, five years is sort of in the middle of when back issues were, were yeah. a problem. I'm probably better now with that than I was in the past. But, um, yeah, if I went back and I fought myself, and you always think about this, right? Um, right after I got my black belt, um, I would hate it, right? Because I was 
younger, I had more energy. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I would win now. Yeah. You know, even if it was that age versus my age. And yeah. that's what I that's what I think I love most about jujitsu is that idea because it's a it's a it's an intellectual game, mm-hmm. right? And I'm slowly understanding that minutely by minutely, right? Right. As I learn, oh, that's why I do that, right? Yeah, and and that's that's the natural progression. Like, I don't know a lot of high level jujitsu players that aren't very smart. Right. You know, I mean, I think, you know, it might not be book smart. Right. But thinking about concepts and, you know, you're, if you're super physical, right. Your shelf life is only going to be for so long. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the, you see the, the long-term folks, you know, Lovato's and, mm-hmm. you know, Galvao's and, you look at Megaton Diaz, who still competes as a adult sometimes, and he's in his fifties. You know, like that's you know they're smart dudes. Um, they're thinking about trying to make you go where they want you to. Mm-hmm. So, when did that? Sh- when does that shift? Do you think that idea of getting people to go where you want them to go? Is that uh, once your knowledge base is enough okay. that you know what's happening, right? Like if you see something that's novel, it's going to be hard for you to get somebody to move in the way that you want them to, unless you've done enough things where, you know, to fight novelty in mm-hmm. some ways. Like, so sometimes I fight, you know, like Colton's one of them, right? He gets in the weirdest fucking positions cause he's flexible and whatever. And I just like, I default to, like smashing and, and doing this stuff to avoid it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I'm like, I don't know what this is. I don't like it. I'm going to try to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Right. Is essentially where I'm at at that point. Um, at the beginning, you're like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do. Right. I'm just going to try to stay within my toolbox and hope it hope for the best. And right. then, Oh, you beat that. How did you beat that? Right. And then you learn and you put that in. Right. And then you have okay. that toolbox. Right. And then at a certain point you're going to be like, well, I have four or five different moves that I want to do. Um, I'm going to start with this one to hopefully get you to five moves ahead. Right. And so I see like white belts, you are living in the moment, Mm -hmm. right? You are just trying to survive. Right. As you start getting to blue belt, you're starting to look a move at move or so ahead. Right. Like, okay, I got this, but then I've got this other counter to this purple belt, two moves ahead. Right. Brown belt, yeah, maybe three moves ahead. Um, black belt is, you know, it's it's a kind of a hard reset in some ways, right? Because you're, if you're going to be doing it, you're going to get your stripes eventually, right? So there's the promotion doesn't mean, you know, it's it's not as visceral, I think, in in terms of the the progression. But I find myself almost going back to just going in the moment again when I roll with people. I want to see where you guys go and then I want to see what I can do against it. Right. So it's, but it's like, I have a 20 years of, of background on that. Right. So, so if you get nervous, you, you can go back to that. Yeah. I can go back to the moves right. or whatever, but like, I want you to try to come around. Like I want to see what you got. And right. I can't wait for you to catch me in something that I don't know that you can show me. Right. Um, 
so yeah, so it's it's more of you know we talk about building systems, right? Mm-hmm. There's the whole Ashigarami system, the mm-hmm. leg lock system. I've been teaching lasso for the last two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. It's a series of moves that you do and you tie them together. It's but it's what you do is you learn the move and then you learn maybe the next move to it and try to put those things together. And then you see that you can go from one to the other and go back and forth and back and forth. And then you go to the position where you may be in a scramble and you see that just one instance where you can hit that move even without setting it up. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. where you know that you, you actually really know the system now. Okay. Do you prefer I think I asked this to Matt. Do you prefer a like an arm bar submission, leg lock, thing like, or choking somebody out? Um, like chokes are the king, okay. right? And and the reason behind that is that you can fight out of a broken arm. Okay. You can keep fighting if you've broken a rib or snapped your wrist. You can't fight if you're unconscious. Okay. You know? And so that, uh, you know, with respect, like, theoretically on the street or whatever, like, that would be the smartest thing to go for. Okay. Um, That being said, wrist locks are my favorite thing in the world just because I like being a dick. Um, (laughs) I hate you fuckers, man. You guys and your – because I'm just now understanding – and, you know, and I, I tell people you can wrist lock me because I want to learn why I set myself up mm-hmm. for that, right? Yep. But, man, I'm just learning not to be limp-wristed. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm like, damn it. Well, I mean, there's people, we're pretty, we've got a lot of dickhead wrist lockers in, the, in our yes. school yes. compared to other places because, you know, people come in and, you know, during drop-ins or from another gym and they're like, Oh shit. Oh yeah. You know, so it's, and I'm you know, seeing myself probably going to be turned into one of those assholes. Oh, you totally are. <laughs> right. I love, I love wrist locking people with my face, you know, um, just using my head just like, leverage or my chest yep. or something like that. Just, um, cause it makes me be a little bit more, uh, cautious mm-hmm. when I'm on the bottom or when right. I'm, when I'm doing this. Um, Ask Carl about the last time he rolled in wrist locks. I think he said something the other day about him when he was teaching class. But he he might have. Mark asked me to wrist lock him, so I did a lot. I think he said something. But he's my he's my protege, right? Like oh, he he talks. He you know Carl never stops talking, but he talks about the time that he wrist locked somebody standing up standing in a, competi- in a, a tournament, like, yeah. like that. Oh yeah, yeah. He's done it more than once. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard that story probably a hundred times. And it's a great story every yeah. time you hear it. Because, yeah. I mean, it's it, it was no joke. It does it. The guy screams, taps, and then has that sheepish grin on his face. Like, fuck, that's just what happens. Yep. So, um, before we're talking about, oh, I would like to be better at leg locks, right? It's, it's morphing into the leg lock side of things, which I think we all need to lo- learn and we all need to know better. Um, and that's the direction things are going. I probably will not be a specialist with that. Um, 
primarily because the way that you finish those often puts strain on my back that I don't like. Right. You know, so that's why I like to go for straight arm bars and I go for chokes and I go mm-hmm. with those because I'm not hurting myself with that. And so you have to know the move to defend the move, correct? Yes. Would you say that that's a... Yeah, okay. 100%. Because that's... I'm real similar in my thought process too. Like, I don't think I'll... I'm so short and old that leg locks just aren't like I'm not thinking yeah wanna... I'm not going to be a worm guard dude yep. but we need oh. to learn how to defend the worm guard right, right? bear and bolos we're not going to go inverted but we need to know what they are mm-hmm. to do this right I love that fucking Andrew is loves all that stuff and then I'm rolling with him and Tomaso in the middle of the roll goes this is what I need you to do to him Josh <laughs> shows me how to de- <laughs> defend what perfect. he's doing which is perfect right because that's what he gets me in yeah all taught. Yeah. And you need to have people that are going to be pushing you mm-hmm. and testing you um, every fucking day. The only way you get better is like when you roll with people that are, you know, as good as you or as, as, as near as possible. That's, that's the interesting thing for, in my perspective of my view, right. Is I feel like I, I am at a more advantage than anybody else. And I, and the reason I say this, okay. I'm old, so I have some, like, understanding of who I am, right? And I get to roll with all these fucking savages every day. Yeah. That, but, but, that we all, don't, but we all feel like that, right? Right. That, but it's still selfish that I, that I think it because I'm less than, right? Every day in, when I roll, those guys either... They're better than me or they're younger than me. Right. So there's, there's an advantage no matter what. Right. Yeah. Cause if they're younger, they can try to out athlete you, but then that means you have to work your technique. Exactly. Right. If they're your age, you're not a, you know, shrinking violet or whatever they say, you know, you're strong. You're mm-hmm. not going to get out muscled, right. You're going to get out technique. Yep. So you can work both of those aspects of things. That's Which why nice. I feel that I have. That's why I think that I'm selfish and I have this weird advantage. Right? I think I think, I think we all do, though. Game. You know, it's like for me, what's my advantage now? Um, I've just been around the block enough that I can go and I can do homework and I can go in and probably teach it without really drilling it all that much, right? Although I drill the shit out of things, you know, to to put it into my game. Like I've seen it enough that I understand how the moves and stuff works. Um, I hadn't rolled with Carl in months and I rolled with him last week and it was the hardest roll I've had in a long time and it was awesome and I miss it, you know? Um, Cause there's the, you know, there's only a few people that I feel like I can really take the brakes off right. on occasion and, and go for it. And, and because and, they'll test you back. Because they can take you. it and they're at yeah. the level that they need to see that, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, false sense of, of where you're at is not a good thing either, no. right? Um, getting crushed to the point where you don't want to train anymore is also a problem, mm-hmm. right? So, and every person is different. And there are people that I know that if I tried to just come down hard on, that would be demoralizing to them. Right, even though that's what it should be, because I've been training forever. Like, not that I'm 
a better person than them. I'm just more experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, There's other ones that need to see you've got a long way to go or you've come a long way, but now it's time to pick it up Mm -hmm. to this next level. You know, so there's, that's one of the hard things to do with the, as a instructor, right? Is, is gauge who your training partner is and then respond appropriately Mm -hmm. to that. Right. Rich brings out the absolute fucking worst in me because I just love rolling with him and he's a sadist and I'm a sadist Mm -hmm. and it works that we're trying to do our best. Um, but no, we're safe at the same time. When you say you're a sadist, that means I love neon belling rich, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not really a sadist, but like there's, there's roles and there's roles, right? Like my, like you were saying, like you're, feel very lucky coming up because you got monsters like i had a core group group of guys in arizona that we'd come to each other's houses and we drain in the train in the garage uh we'd go and we would get on the mats and we would literally just try to murder each other it's like think about andrew rolling as hard as andrew like every time he rolled with that person you know and i was young at that time Right. I was in the competing a lot more. And so we needed that. And it was it's like there's that sort of joy of the struggle, I guess. Like it's like want to die afterward, but you know, you're going as hard as you can, they're going as hard as you as they can and, and you are testing yourselves to the limit. And there's a sort of a certain sense of joy in that that if you don't have somebody pushing you at that level, you're not going to find, right? You can be proud of the people that you roll with, right? But if you can take the brakes off, like Carl and I, like I just had so much fun rolling with Carl because he goes all out and I am going, you know, all out sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and that's part of the thing that I miss sometimes as an instructor at the gym rather than just a student. If I had mats at my house, would you come? To uh, my house and- Smash me in yeah. COVID. Let's put money aside. <laughs> I was making the money sign. Money yeah. Aside. Yeah. And and you should have the here's the thing, right? So so that's a different dynamic though, too, right? Okay. You also need that core group of people where you like, I for the life of me cannot figure out how to fucking do this move. I'm getting stuck in dogfight. And I can't get out and you sit and you do homework and you drill with somebody of your level mm-hmm. or maybe a little bit better. Right. So, cause privates are different. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, rolling at houses. Yeah. If I had time, I would just I'd do that all the time. Um, but you also need to troubleshoot and work and build your ability to learn on your own too. Mm-hmm. That was my stomach. If that picked up on the, uh, no, the microphone. So, um, cause it's, you know, just like at, at the university, we're not there to give you all the information that you need. Right. We are there to give you exposure to certain positions and certain moves and these other things. It's up to you to build things, right? Mm-hmm. You can come to help or come to us for help when you're running into issues, but how liberating would it be that you find those issues and you solve those issues? Right. Different question, but it has to do with issues. You talk about rehabbing your back. Mm-hmm. Did when you're 
back was at its worst. Did your game evolve into a way yes. that around that injury? Oh, I hide. I I've I've had multiple like guards and games for significant months to avoid injuries. Like if my knee had popped, right, I'm on the other side. Okay. Right. If my back was hurting, lasso's out the door. Uh, when my ribs popped, right, that was out the door. Um, so it's common in my brain to be thinking about my game with a, with a bum shoulder. Yeah. Like, okay. Absolutely. You need to protect that. Right. Okay. You shouldn't like since jujitsu is so personalized, right? There is no perfect way for everybody to do the same move. Right. Us stocky short people relatively are going to do something completely different than Ron would do. For example, um, certain things that I do because I have fast hip motion in some things that works for me. It's not going to work for other people. Same thing with flexibility and, and inversion, right? Um, add that with protecting your, your weaknesses, right? Jiu-jitsu is finding your weaknesses and, and plugging them. Mm-hmm. If your shoulder is your weakness, then protect the shit out of it. Okay. Learn how to fight around it. Yesterday was the first day that I took a day off that was my choice from jujitsu because I'd been up all night with pain in my shoulder and just knew that if I went, I'd get hurt. Yeah. First like, time. And, and that's, that's important. You know, um, when I had some major injuries, I would like, I was out for eight weeks with a rib, Oh God. you know, um, I'd be in class every day. Yeah. And I would take notes. I wouldn't even roll. Um, but now, you know, when I have to cover classes, like I can feel it three days in a row. And I'm like, fuck, man, I need a break. Mm-hmm. You know, because of course I want to roll all the time and I'm an idiot. Right. I mean, if you go in drill at least and maybe back off and not roll. Yeah. Um, but it's so hard. Oh, God, it's so, so hard, hard not dude. to. So. And, and I've, I've connected some of my fitness to it too. So, so if your fitness, it's all my fitness, right? But see, there's like, but I, I'm a, like a meathead, just total. So I've now I've enmeshed the two. Mm -hmm. So it's even harder to miss. Right. You know? Cause then it's like, it, I, it, it's my cardio is, as well. It's right. it's, it's this as well. Right. It's not just learning jujitsu. Right. So no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, I need to lift more. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing the reverse hyper every time I get off the mats, Good. which is saving my bacon for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I go for a lot of walks with Jess now. Because Good. that really opens up the hips and things. Like that is something that was, mm-hmm. I think, a, a pretty significant problem in the past year. I mean, when my back was at it, its worst, you know, I went to a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I told you. I probably told you this. Mm-mm. But because um, the chiropractor looks at the MRI results and he's like, you need to schedule an appointment right now. And so I went in and he comes in and I stand up and I go and shake his hand and He's looking at me like, it's like, can you tell me on a scale of like 
one to ten what your pain level is right now? And I'm like, I don't know, six. And he's just like, I don't know how you're walking right now. Wow. You know, he's like, but I'm treat. I want to treat the patient. You know, not just the injury. And it's like, if you do the surgery, you're gonna weaken your back, right? So do what you can to to fix it. And so it was. I was gonna get an epidural, but the only person that was available was like being sued for malpractice. So I was like, no, I think I'll wait for that. Um, so I never ended up getting that, and that was okay. And then it hit again right when COVID hit. Oh uh, right, yeah. And uh, that was the worst. And that's when I got the traction device. That's when I started actually doing. And I didn't go back to to therapy or anything like that. I but that traction and that other stuff has been key. Yeah, because it's um, either it's putting that back in like spreading it enough to get that disc back into mm-hmm. spot. Well, that yeah. and then really emphasizing on my extension, mm-hmm. right? Because that was the problem. I think I'm so you're like this flexion, all, the time. all flexion all yep. the time. And so once I was like, and I'm prefacing my lasso series, like in class, like this is a great guard, but you have to work your extension because you don't want to mess your back up. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to warn people not to do it for 15 years until it's crazy bad. So what's the, what's the guard that you, that's your bread and butter? Like lasso. The, lasso. Mm-hmm. E, okay. Interesting. Um, like competition, mm-hmm. always lasso. Um, my half guard butterfly is my other one that okay. I like a lot too. Oh, you do. Yeah. It's, it's been a long time since I've rolled. You right. remember you did do a lot of butterfly. Yeah. I like to get under and elevate people. Mm-hmm. Um, my legs aren't long enough to, to keep them at a distance. So I try to stay tight okay. with that. Interesting. I don't like to be like this. Like there's something like I can't, I have a hard time. That is, a, that, I, I kind of call that the dead bug defense some ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, uh, I think who does it? Sean J. Ribeiro calls it. It's like the diamond position mm-hmm. too. Um, it's so powerful though. And yeah. my legs are so short. And I've got a long torso that I need to stay in that bald position for better, or for worse. Yeah. I got to figure out or make it more comfortable somehow. Cause it just feels super uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, your legs are so short and you know, if you're fighting somebody your own size, it's going to be rare that you're going to get your legs locked around them. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So that's like closed guard is hard for, yeah, I'm not, not my know. thing. So you need to work butterfly. You need to work those other guards mm-hmm. and, use your body to your advantage. Mm-hmm. I've hard. been really focusing on sweep, like just getting out of that to sweeps to, yeah. To, to then my position as opposed to staying in some type of guard. Yeah. Like that bullshit. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. I mean, I'm always looking to like, I'm pretty rarely only trying for submissions for submission sakes from the guard. Right. And unless it's a, like a cross choke or something like Mm -hmm. that, I'm usually I'll attack it where if they defend it, I'm going for a sweep. Right. Right. So that's, that's sort of the, it's, it's almost less often that I actually go for a sweep and then turn it to a submission. Mm -hmm. It's it's going for a submission then end up in a sweep. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Theoretically, like in my brain. Yeah. There, there are some setups for it that are, like the spider sweep stuff to triangles, which are fun, but 
but yeah, it's uh, always evolving, going yeah. back to evolution. That's right. I got, I got, I got a couple more things left before we finish it. All right. I'm gonna pick. I'm just gonna randomly pick three. It's a new thing I'm gonna try. Okay. Couple questions. All right. Three questions. First one is, what do you want? What do you want to let go of? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, He's thinking everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, that's, that's like, I feel pretty good with where I'm at, you know, in some ways. Um, one thing I guess, which has, you know, in, in terms of my personal life, um, thinking that I can try to help solve everybody's problems and then that mm -hmm. makes things worse. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like just let it ride sometimes and be there as a support rather than trying to be like, well, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Um, and just actually being a support rather right. than, yeah. Okay. I like that. Letting that, so letting go to reframe it, rephrase it, letting go of this idea that you can fix people's shit or that I just need be, to. Yeah. Or you need to. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. What is something new you recently tried and loved? The Korean barbecue taco at Merchants. Korean barbecue taco at Merchants. Okay. So fucking good. Right. Okay. How many it's, do you get? Depends. Right. You can get two with the side or it's a four bucks each or okay. whatever. I just have that and the mac and cheese. And it's, oh, the mac and cheese. Is yeah. Amazing. Okay. So okay. that pick nine thing. That's, okay. That's, oh, pick the pick nine. Okay. Or the pick two on the $9 thing. Or, okay. Or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's probably, I can't stop talking about it like an idiot. Like, okay. just like you're always talking about that fucking taco. So. Fucking taco. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to try the taco next time. I'm yeah. There. Okay. That's good. All right. Ooh, I picked a good one for the last one. And it was randomly, too. Okay. Sure. Wasn't de it wasn't determined. Okay. Wasn't determined. And I'm gonna and I'm going to um, add to this, okay? The question is, who are your heroes? Okay. But I'm gonna one, I want what who are your jujitsu heroes? Who are your uh, science heroes? And who are like personal life, whatever thing outside it could be a movie person or a philosopher or whatever. Hmm. Something outside of those two professions. Okay. So jujitsu heroes, um, like I, I tend to like look kind of holistically at the jujitsu players, like the, the top level jujitsu players, you know, like if you're really good, but you're kind of a jerk, right. That like, yeah, I can really appreciate your game, but you know, in terms of like, just like pure admiration. Um, Marcelo Garcia. Okay. Uh, Hobson Mora, you know, um, you know, my instructor Gustavo, mm -hmm. um, you know, those guys are, those guys are pretty far up there. Um, they're good people. Bernardo Faria, you know, I mean, super killer, super good dude. Right. And I, I think that that is important for me to 
because there's a lot of people that are like, I'm going to watch this video. Like, Gordon Ryan is f fucking amazing. I just do not like him. <laughs> That's attitude wise. The, isn't that a you know? crazy dilemma to have? Yeah. Like, I think it's a it's a crazy dichotomy dichotomy dilemma to have. Like, what a great f fun to fucking watch him do it. But it's fucking. I'm just like some of the things that he says. I'm just like right. Oh God. Right. So, so that's why they're not up yep. there on there. Um, you know, some other ones that I've been really digging these, I, I really like Lachlan Giles in mm -hmm. terms of how he teaches and how he rolls and, mm -hmm. and his attitude with things too. So yeah, those are kind of my big ones. Um, science wise, um, I have a picture of Darwin in my office, you know, I mean, so Charlie Chuck, yeah, Chuck, um, just the the amount of revolution that he made, mm -hmm. you know, based on just straight observations in nature and then tying things together, um, is is almost unparalleled, in my opinion. He was a recluse, right? He was an introvert, you know. One of his best quotes is like something like, "I'm feeling very poorly today, and I hate everything and everyone." Right, that he sent to a friend and correspondent, you know, so it's absolutely human, mm -hmm. um, but brilliant. Um, so that science-wise, um, see other heroes. I mean, it's that's a big one for that. I mean, there are um, sort of a cadre of bioluminescence folks that you know like my advisor Jim Morin uh, there's Edie Witter who is a MacArthur Genius Award winner that's in Florida Bruce Robeson at Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute like those old I mean they're not old but old school right. but badass nighttime researchers that go underwater right. with no lights on you know are you more, what are you most scared of underwater animal wise? Box jellies. Box jellies. Those fuckers hurt. That's why okay. I bought a full face mask. Um, but not a shark. Nah. Nah. Okay. Most of the, most of the sharks that are nasty are daytime. Really? For the most part. Because yeah, they're visual hunters, like great whites, uh, right? I mean, there are some tiger sharks and stuff that are, uh, be a little bit more concerning, but. My lights aren't on. I can't see them anyway, so whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, so the small things. Box jellies are nasty. They won't kill you in the Caribbean, but they will in Australia. Okay. So, Any heroes outside of um, those two things? Like hero? I just like, that's not something I think about a lot. I know. That's why it's a great yeah. question. Um. I mean, Jess is kind of my hero, my wife. Aww. She She's just fucking smart. And she just can focus and, and just does amazing things, you know. Um, I just get to see her every day, so that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, I'm just trying to think of...
David Attenborough's okay. pretty up there. Okay. And he said my name on video, so that's all good. That's pretty good, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I don't really think about individual okay. people as heroes cool. often, weirdly. Yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on. Yeah. I'm glad that we touched base and were able to get this going again yeah fun times and then maybe for another one altruism does not exist because you're always getting something chemically from it just just take that with you yeah you know i believe it's all it's all selfish so yep yep all right cool man so awesome thanks again yep um thanks everybody remember forging perseverance through strength and vulnerability have a great day peace